0: So when something goes wrong at an event, that's something that you need to think about. What do you need to do to make it go as brilliantly as you possibly can with what you have to work with right now? This episode is brought to you by my workshop, Communicating Quality, how to interact successfully with friends, clients, and colleagues. Learn how you and your cohort can become stellar communicators at IsoldaT.com slash quality hyphen speaks. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Whether you're writing the first sentence of a story or solving the climate crisis, you need to think in new ways. On the show, I interview peak performers who are coming up with those creative solutions. Through creativity, action, inspiration, and innovation, they're changing the world. I also bring you ideas and techniques that you can use to unlock your potential to do the same. And now, let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I want to talk to you about a couple of different things today. First, I know that I promised you a sort of a debrief of the book release party, And I decided instead of just giving a debrief of what happened so that you can see for yourself how it all works, that I would also talk a little bit about what went in and most importantly, what to do when things go wrong. Because when you're planning something like this, first of all, you can't do it alone, right? I I mean, I, I, I have to admit, I did most of the work. But if I hadn't had my husband there as my helper, I would be stuck, completely stuck because he he and I do this for each other. And it's really good to have that sort of partner in crime if you can. And it doesn't have to be your spouse. It can be a friend, but somebody who you can sort of trade off with. In other words, when I have an event that I need help with, Rich is there to help me with that event when he has an event that he needs help with, I'm there to help him. And if I'm working on a small scale or for nonprofits or something like that, where the budget is small to non-existent, it's really nice to have someone (laughs) who's willing to volunteer their time. And it's a beautiful way to trade off. And it's a nice way to network, right? So he met people in my network and I met people, I meet people in his network when I do this, when I work with him on these kinds of events. And so that's... That's important. First of all, find your partner in crime. Now, I'm very lucky in that for this event, I had other partners in crime. I had Alan Fessenden, Megan Vasilis, and Sergio Giovanni. Uh, they're the core members of the Vegan Writers of New York City, and they helped me put things together also. And they also share out social posts and things like that. So, I uh, I I'm grateful to them. I'm grateful to everyone who came. I have to say that first. I'm grateful to the people who donated for the raffle. That's another thing that I'm grateful for, because that's one of the things that was part of this event, was that I didn't do it as a for-profit thing for me. Instead, every, every penny that we earned on Tuesday evening went to... Two wonderful animal rescue organizations, uh, the Red Robin Song Animal Sanctuary in upstate New York and Wild Tomorrow, which is uh, they actually are developing and they already have the Ukulele, uh Wildlife Preserve in South Africa. And they are saving wildlife and providing habitat for wildlife. its inc- They're all doing incredible work. And why did I do this? I did it because of a couple of different reasons. First of all, I made no money. In fact, I lost a little money on this event. And as as friends of mine will tell you, that's a terrible business model, Isolde. And In a way, it is, and in a way, it's not. Because what was I attempting to achieve with this book release? I wanted to raise funds for charity; that was important. I wanted to release the the paperback; that was what we were celebrating that day. And also, I wanted to put on an event in New York City, which is new for me because when we moved to New York City, boom, the pandemic. So a lot of the things that I would have been doing two and a half years ago, I didn't get to do during the pandemic. So now I'm doing it and I'm developing my brand, and I'm developing how I do things in this city, in this new place for me. And so this was my first sort of big event that I ran. And I have to tell you, I did it with zero budget. That's something else that you need to understand about what I was doing. I was not trying to run a huge event. I didn't rent out a hall. I didn't do any fundraising for that. I Worked with a local vegan restaurant, the Organic Grill, and worked to make them money that evening. That's another thing. Benefit as many people as you can with these events. So, uh, and, and this is something that I think is interesting. I think that the owners thought that I was going to have people show up and no one was going to buy anything from the restaurant. We were just going to have a, a gathering, sort of an insular, isolated gathering or, and no one would buy anything and, and and he could not have been more wrong i think they had a, a great night we filled the house everybody ordered food and drinks and that was part of my sort of giving to the community was having this book release event in a local vegan restaurant, so that they could make money, right? So that that was uh, that was one of the things that was going to happen, and it generated goodwill. And one of the things that that has happened as an outcropping of this is that the owner has gone, "Oh, I have other ideas. Can I talk to you about them?" And so there will be more. I've started a ball rolling, and that's part of what happened in this in this uh, in this book release event. Was that now a lot more people know that I know how to run events and it's going to, I think, open up new opportunities for Creative Earthlings media and Creative Earthlings events, which is another thing that happened out of this. And that is that I really realized how much I love organizing and putting on and also emceeing events. I I, I knew that I liked doing it, but I didn't know how much I love doing it, particularly uh, in in New York City, which is uh, event central, if you will, and also for a good cause, right? For these charities to help animals. So that's another thing you need to figure out for yourself: is why are you doing this? If you want to put on an event of any sort, you have to figure out your why. Simon Sinek is right. You have to know why are you Why are you doing this? For me, I want to marry creativity and working to save animals in the earth. I want to marry them, and I want to have them. I, I want to have them have babies, and those babies our Creative Earthlings media or Creative Earthlings events so that we can put creativity to work to save the animals, to save the planet. That's my goal. And the work that I do as part of that is very important to me and and I hope to other people who come to the events. So that's another thing that I realized as part of running this event was that, first of all, it was, you know, it was all fundraising and honoring the book release, which we all worked hard on. And In a New York Minute is out, by the way, you can get it at Amazon. I'm going to put a link to the sh- in the show notes to the book so that you can see what it's all about. They're microfiction f- stories from the Vegan Writers of New York City. And we were celebrating the release of the paperback Tuesday evening, uh, last Tuesday evening, uh, on the 21st. Yes, on the 21st of February. Sorry, my brain. Anyway, so so yeah, what is the why? And what, what is it that you want to achieve with this are questions that you need to ask yourself as you are developing whatever event you're developing. And for me, the, the paperback, for example, as I was planning this, I thought, okay, so I'm going to be pushing the paperback because all of the sales from the paperback are going to go right to these charities. And I was, ve- I'm very lucky in that I know some wonderful people, and they donated shirts and uh, diffuser bottles and uh, art cards. And the Organic Grill kindly donated not one but two. Fifty dollar gift certificates, so that they could be part of the raffle. I donated a uh, an astrology chart that I could, that you know birth chart that I made that I've already made for the person who won, and we sold tickets for two dollars a ticket. People bought them, and we raised over five hundred dollars for these two charities, which both you know no charity is ever going to turn their nose up at at two hundred fifty bucks, right? They're going to go, yeah, thank you. And so that was that was the goal, and we did incredibly well and a bunch of people got to hear stories from in a New York Minute and that was great too. So that part was all awesome and now I'm going to come to a part that is a little bit more challenging and that is what do you do when something goes wrong at an event? Now various things can go wrong. I've I've performed at an event for example where uh, a, there was this huge thunderstorm and it knocked out the power. And so there I am in a stage where I was supposed to have a microphone. There were like 300 people in the audience. I was supposed to have a microphone. I was supposed to have lighting. I was supposed to be amplified. And uh, nope. <laughs> so there I was going, uh, I'm okay. So what I did is I had everybody who had flashlights with them And because this was at a festival, everybody had flashlights, everybody who had phones, I had them train the flashlights and the phone lights on me. And then I sat on the stage and did an all acoustic set, just me and the guitar and all 300 people hushed. And I was accompanied by the sort of drum beats of the rain on the tin roof. And it went incredibly well. And people were like, wow, that was the most intimate thing. That was so cool. And it partially is because, first of all, don't panic. I didn't panic. I went, okay, what do I need to do to make this happen as well as I possibly can? So when something goes wrong at an event, that's something that you need to think about. What do you need to do to make it go as brilliantly as you possibly can with what you have to work with right now? So that's part of this. And then there are parts where Uh, You know, things like, oh, the food didn't show up. Okay, well, what can we do? We can make this an entire evening of different kinds of really cool drinks. When when in doubt, I mean, things will go wrong. Hopefully something like the food didn't show up won't ever happen at an event you're doing. But but bear in mind that whenever you want to release anything, you're going to be in a situation where you have to bring a lot of moving pieces together and you have to put out a fair number of fires before You actually get to the event to run the event and then the afterglow of having run the event. And then there are times when it's not stuff that goes wrong. Then there are times when personalities get in the way. I'm not going to name any names about what happened on Tuesday, but I will tell you the story of what happened Uh, because it's an important thing to think about when it's happening. What are you going to do? So one of the people who is in the Vegan Writers of New York City group uh, was uh, he missed the deadline for getting his stories into the paperback by about two months, right? The deadline was the end of October, actually almost three months, I think. And he didn't come to me about getting his stories into the paperback until January. And I said, you know, it's too late to do that. But I can let you in to the ebook, I can re- I can, I couldn't rearrange everything in the in the print, it was already off to the to the printer. But I could do the ebook and I made, I, I did the work and I made room for this person in the ebook. And when it came time to have this release for the paperback, which was going to the sales of which were all going to go to these two charities, this person decided that what he really wanted to do was read a story anyway. And I didn't want to pull focus away from the paperback. So I said, you can't do that. You, you, you can't read. A story that's only in the ebook because we're only focusing on the paperback this evening. And so during the event, I was just about to make the announcement that said, Hey, and guess what? Last call to buy a book. And if you buy a book this evening, all the money is going to these two charities. I'm not taking any money for this. He decided to go, Well, you forgot something. You forgot that I'm supposed to read. And I said, No, this is for the paperback, not the ebook. And this is why I'm telling you this story is because Sometimes things go awry and this person decided that he wanted to get up and read anyway and sort of kind of called to the entire room going, "Hey, you want to hear one more story, don't you?" And everybody in the room kind of went, "Uh, yeah, okay." And so he got up and there was a moment where uh, what could I have done, right? This person sort of walked all over the boundary that I'd set up that said, "No, you can't do that." And in the moment in communication and negotiation, you have to sort of decide who you're going to be in that moment. And I made a split second decision to go, okay, I'm not going to raise a scene in the middle of what is otherwise a very successful event. And and, you know, frankly, if I'd had a couple of really strong, beefy bouncers, I would have asked them to escort him from place. But I didn't have strong, beefy bouncers with me. All I had was me in that moment and I had to make a decision. And so I decided that I would not stand in the way of this person reading his story. And, and then, you know, he did to to sort of polite applause. And, uh, and that was that, right. And it pulled focus away from the paperback. And it kerfuffled me enough. And this is something that I have to admit. And it's hard for me to admit that I'm vulnerable about these things. But it, it kerfuffled me enough that I didn't make that announcement. I did not go. And by the way, last call, all the money you're making all the money that, 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 that is uh, made from selling the paperbacks is going to the charities tonight. There's no money going anywhere else. I didn't get to say that because it just knocked me off my stride just enough that I didn't get to say that. And so I feel like that, that action by this person took money away from these animals that need that money, right? That's, that's how I feel about it. So, uh, so in that moment, I was kerfuffled. And that's something for me to think about for next events, is that, uh, you know, I need to plan for when things go wrong better. Now, for me, in that moment, again, I made the decision not to raise a ruckus, because that would have disrupted the entire event. So the important thing is, you have to decide for yourself, is it more important to sort of raise a ruckus and, and, be proved, quote unquote, right? Or is it more important to let things flow and then deal with them later in private? And that's what I opted to do. I opted to leave them, to let them go and, you know, let him read instead of getting up in his face and going, no, you can't read. Uh, but afterward, after he read, after a few minutes, after I collected my thoughts, I uh, I asked him to come outside and so I could talk to him about it. And I did. And I said, that it that what he had done was inappropriate and what he had done was disrespectful. And here's the thing, and I had strong words for him. I I will I will say that. And here's what's interesting. He made the choice to record our conversation without my knowledge or consent. Now, in New York State, you don't have to tell someone you're recording them. It's very interesting. If two people are being recorded, as long as one of them knows they're being recorded, it is legal to do that. Is it ethical? I don't know. (laughs) You know, in that moment, I don't think it was ethical for this person to record our conversation, especially since what he did then is turned around and sent that recording to people in an attempt, I believe, to assassinate my character. Now, why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because, first of all, it shocked me that this happened, and, and second of all, I want to warn you that you should never be ashamed of anything you say or do. And you should never say or do anything you're ashamed of. So I easily stand behind everything I said in that recording because that's, that's what I attempt to live by every day. Those, those two little statements. I attempt never to be ashamed of anything I say. Why? Because it turns out somebody can record you. <laughs> <laughs> your knowledge or consent and then send that recording out to people. And was it an appropriate thing to do? No, it was not. It, it went beyond all boundaries certainly as far as I'm concerned to do that. And what's interesting is later this person was trying to defend their actions. And so this is something that that I think we all can take a lesson from. So you have to think about for yourself, what is it that I want to achieve with what I'm about to do? Right? This person, I cannot Really know, except for that they, uh, you know, they, they wanted to be proved correct. They wanted to be proved right. And so wanted to record me without my knowledge or consent. And on top of that, send that recording to all of the different people involved in this project in the hopes that they would, I guess, take their side, take his side. And it, it turned out really no one did. But, and, and that's not the point of this. The point of this is really to me in communication. You have to know what it is that you want out of the communication. You have to know what it is you want out of the actions that you're about to take. I don't think he envisioned that everyone would go, what the heck are you doing, man? This is not appropriate, which is pretty much everyone what everyone who responded said. So I don't think that's what he was going for. right? I don't think he was going for that. Oh, what the hell, dude? Kind of response, and and the problem is you never know, you never know what someone will do or say when you take undertake an action, particularly an an action undertaken when you're really ticked off, right? I, you know, he was he was ticked off already because he wasn't getting to read, even though those were the rules, right? And he didn't respect the rules, and I have since booted him from the vegan writers of New York City group because I really believe that if you if you can't respect the rules of the group, you really shouldn't be in the group. And he didn't respect the rules and so he's he's not in the group anymore. And so were were those was that his ultimate goal was to be kicked out of the group or was were was his ultimate goal too short-sighted? And I think it was. I think in an effort to get what he wanted in the moment, which was to stand up and read. The psychology behind that is, is very interesting to me. So in an effort to stand up and read and get what he wanted, he lost out on a bunch of relationships. He could have spent more years building and solidifying into something really great, right? So there's a there's a trade-off there. You get what you want in the short term, but do you get what you want in the long term? And wow, <laughs> You know, there's a there's a thing the seven the company seventh generation is based on a on a premise that you should do every single thing you do with an eye towards how it's going to affect people seven generations from now, and I feel like that the same thing can be said for us in our lifetimes. You know, are you doing things that are going to give you short term gains but long term losses, and if the short term gain is worth it? is worth the long-term loss, then go for it. But if it's not, if the short-term gain is going to give you vindication in now, you know, I'm vindicated, I got what I wanted, but then you lose a whole bunch of stuff for the long run, is it worth it? Is that is that what you wanted to do? Really? So think about that before you undertake these kinds of actions. It can be something that Messes you up for later on, right? Because there is no way I will recommend this person for any project ever. There is no way I will ever be in any kind of group with him. Now, this is not to say that I'm the end all be all, that my group is the one. That's not at all what I'm saying. The point is that it is a one. It is a group that's active in this city. He will never be, he will never be welcome there again, ever, 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 ever. And so that's a relationship lost, right? And That's not that's not easy to come back from if what you wanted long term was to be greatly involved, which is which is true. He actually asked and I'm going to talk about this because why not? He asked he pitched me to be one of the five hosts of the of one of the other podcasts that I co-host called the State of the Arts Podcast. I co-host it with the people I mentioned earlier, Alan Fessenden, Megan Vasilis, and Sergio Giovanni. And so there are four hosts to this podcast and he pitched to be the fifth host. And I think, I think, first of all, four hosts is max for any podcast. I don't think you want a panel of five. It's too, it would make every episode too long and it would make things too muddy. And so when he pitched me, I said, uh, I, I was disinclined, but I would check with everybody else. And th- here's the problem, right? Is that again, in an effort to be part of this group, uh, he pitched this and uh, and then <laughs> weirdly accused me of not asking the other people about whether or not he could be a, a fifth host after all this went down. So I'm airing Dirty Laundry and I apologize, but I feel like I need to talk about this stuff. And I figure my podcast is, uh, this is my airwaves and, and hopefully you are at least getting something out of the story. So imagine pitching to be part of the show and then doing what he did uh, at the book release event. Why on earth would you <laughs> and maybe he thought, well, I'll just burn the whole house down. Why not? Uh, because he had been told no. Right. The other the other members of the podcast were like, no, we that's too many people. We've built something here with, with the four of us and we don't the fifth a fifth person is is not going to work very well. And so, uh, you know, maybe it was this whole like, if I can't have it, then I'll just try and burn it all down. I don't know. I don't know what the what the logic behind all of this was. All I know is, again, when you want to be and this is something I said to him when he originally asked me if he could be a member of the uh, a a host of the show. I said, you know, you could start your own podcast. That's something that, you know, and I could help him with that. I could have helped him with that. And uh, and he said, no, 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 what I need is for people to b- bounce ideas off of. I work best when I do that. And I said, well, the answer here for me is perhaps look at, instead of looking at it like this is what I need, look at it like this is what I can offer. There's a huge difference there as far as building community, as far as finding people who will want to work with you. Instead of looking at anything like what you need out of it, Look at everything like what you can offer to it. Super important way and super important difference as far as how to look at this entire situation. Huge, huge, huge distinction, right? Anytime you're in that place, ask yourself what you can bring to elevate it, not what you can get from it. Big difference. Who, <laughs> So I've just, I've just told you a huge story. Anyway, that this is the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I feel like this is an object lesson for crashing and burning when you're trying to instead build a community, right? This person wanted to be part of the community very badly. And if you were there and you're listening to this, you know who I'm talking about, but I will not release his name publicly, even though he recorded me without my permission or consent. But I won't do that. I won't talk about it in this way. I just want—I wanted to detail that when we're in this space of I want to build community, you build community by bringing something to the table, not your needs, but your offerings. That's the best way to look at this. So when I started the Vegan Writers of New York City, I did want to build a community of writers, particularly vegan writers. I did want that. But I thought of it like, okay, what can I offer? I offer organizational ability. I offer starting it. I went and I started the Facebook group and I found the places where I could look for vegans who might be writers. I chose a niche. I didn't go, I'm going to just choose writers in New York City. I went, okay, you know what? I'm going to find vegan writers and found those people. And, and because I was able to offer, hey, I can offer writing advice. I can offer different writing activities we can do. I can offer my ideas for different restaurants we can go to. I can do all of these various things. Because I was able to do that, other people got involved, right? They didn't get involved because of what I needed. They got involved because they thought they saw something that they could get out of what it is. Now, this is not to say they were being selfish. That's not what I mean at all. I mean more like when you're in that moment and you're going, okay, I there's this opportunity that I'm faced with. Right, this 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 person has come up with this idea of having a, a a writers group that's vegan that meets at vegan restaurants to support them, and that that the people in the group will help each other become better writers. I want to be a better writer. Let's do this. So so that's that was my offer. It was not an I need, I need, I need. It was hey, this is what I'm offering, and people went ooh. This would be cool. And they joined in. And together we've built something, right? And we've had, we've got like 80 members to the group. Not all of them are involved every time, but we have people come and go. And there are a few core people who've really gotten something out of it enough that this is what they want. This is what they choose to be involved in. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot, a lot to be said for when you're making an offer you need to know what you can offer and you need to be consistent, right? This group is almost two years old. It's a little over a year and a half old and we've already put out a book, right? And that was another thing that I could offer was book creation, (laughs) book editing, cover design, all of that. And, And those are things that I can do. Those are things that I did and will continue to do to support this group of people who have honored me with their willingness to be part of the project. And this is something that's super important. These people who get involved in the thing that you're doing are not doing it for you. They're, they're, they're not. They're doing it because there's something there that interests them or entices them or engages them or inspires them. That's it. That's why they're there. And you build community together. But really, that's what's happening. So if you're interested in starting a group, again, think about what you can offer instead of what you Need out of it. And this is not to say the people who join in are selfish. I don't want I don't want to uh, misinterpret that or misrepresent that at all. That's not what's going on. But in order to get interested in something, you have to think, oh, what's what's in it for me? What will I get out of it? Not, oh, let me just help this person unless the person is immediately trying to save a puppy from being run over Then, of course, you'll, you know, leap into help. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who offers, hey, this is going to be this cool project. Who wants to be a part of it? And people who want to be a part of it do so most often because they see something that they could get out of being a part of it. Not, uh, oh, this, you know, this woman, I don't know, is doing this thing that she needs help on. Maybe, but most of the time it's got to be an offer that engages and inspires and and sparks people's imaginations in order for it to be something they want to do. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Uh, I hope that you got something out of this debrief of the book release party. And uh, yeah, Uh, again, never, never will name any names. I just wanted to detail that things can sometimes go very, very wrong. And this was not a very, very wrong, other than being recorded without my permission or consent. That is very, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that is very, very wrong. You should not do that to someone. But uh, regardless of that, when things go wrong, you have to figure out who you're going to be in the situation and how you're going to respond. And notice I said respond and not react. If you listen to the show at all, You know that I talk about that a lot. The difference between reaction and response is the number of breaths you take between what happens and what you do about it. Reaction is immediate. Boom, let's go. Response is more measured. You've taken a few breaths, you've figured out a little bit of a plan of action, and then you're able to go and and take action. Then you're able to go and do something about it. Reaction is instincts, and sometimes that's what's called for. If you're trying to you know, pull a puppy out of the way of an oncoming car, absolutely, that's reaction. You have to do it immediate. Do not take the time providing everybody is safe and all that. I don't want to say go run in front of a car and kill yourself to save a puppy. That has to be every person's uh, decision individually. But if you see something that's gone wrong and you have a minute to get gather yourself to get your thoughts in order before you respond to it, take that minute I cannot stress that more than I just have. All right. I was going to talk about something else today, and that is about uh, communication and asking the question you want to ask versus the question you think you're asking. But I'm going to talk about that in the next episode. I hope you've enjoyed this one, this wild ride of the debrief of the book release party of Inner New York Minute. Uh, And if you have questions about this, you know how to get in touch with me. Until next time, this is Isolde Trachtenberg, For the Creative Solutions Podcast, reminding you to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in.